truly blessed he and his wife and used them all over the place. And uh, I see him down at BIMI and, and uh, always uh, look forward to him coming back and being a part. And so he's going to come this morning and get your Bibles ready, and uh, he's going to be a blessing to us this morning. Brother Allison. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, and it's good to see Pastor Mike again. I remember hearing him preach when I was just a little fellow years ago, and now he's still at it after all these years. Amen. And that's wonderful to see. And it is good to be here with you today. I uh, certainly want to elaborate a little on the Kerwoods. They were wonderful church members, and I remember of our church also in Germany. Uh, years ago, and they've been good friends uh, through the years. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't know of anything that uh, they wouldn't do for me and nothing that I wouldn't do for them. And we just go through life doing nothing for each other, and we get along real good together. Amen. But they've been dear friends uh, through the years. Appreciate the ministry here at Independent Baptist Church. This church has supported our ministry, military missions for years and years, and we sure don't take that for granted. And we're just happy to be here on this final Sunday of your missions month. And we're looking forward with great anticipation of what the Lord is going to do today. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles right now to the uh, book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, the classic passage of Scripture on missions given, chapters 8 and 9. And we're going to deal with uh, just a, a little bit in both of those chapters uh, this morning. Now, Pastor, I forgot to ask what time we have to be done here. About 25 after 11? Uh, will a bell ring? Okay, so somebody better wave at me. Then. That's all right. As <laughs> long as we're done. Now, I won't be finished, but I'll quit. 1025, all right. Anyway, we, like I say, I won't be done, but I will quit uh, at 1025. I appreciate uh, the fact that uh, we're able to be here with you today. Now, I want you to look at something, if you would, uh, here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, you have heard uh, Faye Promise preach from this passage over and over, and that's not my intent to uh, deal with it. Uh, it starts, actually, in chapter 16 and verses 1 and 2, where... Uh, I think it there is where Paul established the policy of missions given when he said, now concerning the collection for the saints. He's not talking about a collection from the saints here. That would be the tithe. But this is a collection for saints that are ministering in other places beyond the parameters of the local church. And uh, he said, uh, oh, he's talking about the missions offering. He said, as I've given order to the churches Galatia, even so do you. Uh, and when he says I've given order, he's not talking about a, a set of, of do's and don'ts, and I'm ordering you to do this. But he's talking about a, a systematic order 
a system of giving, an orderly system of giving, uh, a missions offering uh, for saints. And then uh, verse 2, he gives several things about that, but he establishes the policy now. And uh, the Corinthians, and, and, and he goes on to say to him, he said, as I did this uh, in the churches of Galatia, as Paul went across the area of Galatia, the providences there, and he started churches, he set this system, this orderly system of, uh, of an offering for other saints. He set that up and he said, Now, Corinth, what you need to do over there in your church is to do the same, practice the same. Well, uh, they did. They made a commitment of giving uh, for other saints. And, and, uh, and they were forward a year ago, but a year has gone by and they've done nothing about the commitment that uh, they uh, committed. And so now he's uh, writing back to them, and uh, he's uh, telling them in, in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, saying, hey, you made a commitment uh, to give, and uh, you need to follow through with it. Now hold that thought right there. And we're going to look at chapter uh, 8, where Paul explained the principle of it, established the policy in 1 Corinthians 16, and now he's going to explain the principle of missions given in these first uh, uh, 10 verses of 2 Corinthians 8. And then we come to verse 11, and uh, he begins to tell them how to execute the performance of it. And that's what I want to deal with this morning. Now, uh, these three uh, services this morning, during this hour, the next hour, and then this evening, uh, I want to deal with a little mini-series on what I call So Little Time for Missions. So Little Time for Missions. We don't have much time left. Uh, if any of you know anything about the Word of God and you can look out and see what's happening in our world today, we know that something major, cataclysmic, is about to happen in this world. And we who know the Lord know that the Lord is coming, and we believe that. And so we don't have much time left. This may be the last opportunity that we'll have to fill out our faith promise cards, to turn it in, and to give to missions. Uh, because uh, the Lord's about to come, and I believe that with every fiber of my soul. I've been preaching for 55 years now. And I've never believed that more than I believe it right now. That we, the people of God, are about to go home. Now, God wants us to be faithful until the trumpet sounds. And this is an opportunity that we have in uh, missions this faith promise commitment uh, that we'll take up today, 
uh, you'll have an opportunity to be a part of this great mission program of Independent Baptist Church. And I sure hope that you'll let God speak to your heart. Now, I'm emphasizing during this Sunday school hour this morning on the fact that there's so little time to calculate our commitment. And, and this is why that, that, that you need to be open uh, to what God wants you to do in missions this year. And you should have been praying about that all month long. God, what, what do you want uh, me to give? How can I calculate this commitment that you want me to make? And I want to speak to you about that just for a little while, so little time, to calculate the commitment. Now, look in verse 11 of chapter 8, if you would, where Paul said, now, remember, he's established the policy. He's explained the principle. But now he says, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. So uh, the Corinthians had uh, made their commitment of giving, and uh, they no doubt had made it willingly, and I believe they were excited about it. And I think that uh, it's pretty obvious that they made it without any, any pressure, uh, without any uh, kinds of pressurized salesmanship or professional promotional tactics. And I think that they'd made it without any threats or, or without any uh, gimmicks. And I believe that they had the best of intentions when they made their commitment to give in this missions offering. Uh, but they had not followed through with it. And Paul is saying now, therefore, perform the doing of it. He's saying to execute this performance. Make sure that you do what you said you were going to do. Now, having said that, I want us to, to turn the page and jump off into uh, chapter 9. And I want to, to look at verses 6 through 10 as time will permit. And what I want to, us to see is that uh, you can make a faith promise commitment this month, uh, today, and how that you can see it through all the way for this missions year. And you can come back here next year at this time Look back over the year and say, glory to God, I have performed the doing of it. I did what I told the Lord that I was going to do. Now, I want us to think about that, and I want to show you in black and white here uh, from this passage of Scripture uh, how that uh, you can fill out that faith promise card, make that commitment, calculate that commitment, Fill it out, turn it in, and week by week, month by month, uh, come uh, in here with your faith promise commitment uh, each Sunday, and then uh, all year long to be able to do that, and then next year look back over the year and say, I've done what God 
told me to do. Now, how can we do that? I wrote down four things from these verses. I, I probably won't get to all of them, but I, I'll try. But uh, I hope you'll write it down. How can you make a faith promise commitment and see it through? Perform the doing of it. You can see it through all year. First of all, you need to recognize the sowing principle. And I find that in chapter 9 and verse number 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, there is a sowing principle. Uh, it is a principle that's interwoven throughout the Word of God, uh, that you reap what you sow. And I want us to look at the five principles uh, of that sowing principle, five laws of it. And, and we can see how that this thing of sowing sparingly or sowing bountifully can play a great part in this sowing principle. If we'll sow, then we can reap. There's five laws of the sowing principle I want you to notice. First of all, you reap if you sow. Now, if you do not sow, you're not going to reap. What would you think about a fellow that would come in here, a visitor on, say, Wednesday uh, evening prayer service, and pastor's taking prayer request, and he lifts his hand, and and he said, Pastor, I have a, an urgent request. Pastor said, Okay, what is it? And uh, he says, uh, I'm a farmer, and I want to ask the church to pray that God would give me a bountiful crop this year. And the pastor says, That's a good prayer request. And uh, by the way, uh, what have you sown? And he says, Oh, I hadn't sown anything. And uh, the pastor said, well, when are you planning on sowing your crop? He said, oh, I don't plan to sow a crop uh, this, this year. Well, now, somebody like that would be a good candidate for the funny farm. Uh, I mean, uh, if you don't sow, why should you expect to reap anything? And this is what we're talking about here, uh, that if you sow, you can expect to reap. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. But if you don't sow, then you can't expect to reap anything in the law of the harvest. And then the second thing I want you to see is not only you reap if you sow, but you reap what you sow. You don't sow taters and reap maters. Uh, you're going to reap what you sow. And, and the same is true with uh, this. Uh, and uh, if you sow uh, money, you're going to reap money. If you sow to missions, uh, you're going to reap the results of it. And you may not ever see a lot of results. You read the missionary prayer letters and read how people have gotten saved and victories won, but you may not ever see all of it till you get to the judgment seat of Christ but you'll certainly see the results of it then that you have sown the missions and you will reap souls because 
That's what mission money does. I tell people so often in mission conferences, uh, I say you're going to hear me talk a whole lot about giving, a whole lot about money. That's what it's all about. It takes money to operate the work of God. uh, And it takes a lot of it to operate the work of God. But I tell them, when you hear me mention giving, when you hear me mention mission money, don't think so much money as souls. Because mission money translates into souls. Souls being one to Christ. And that's what I heard with these testimonies a while ago. Uh, that uh, it's easier to think, uh, the, let the flesh get involved and say, I shouldn't have given all of that to missions. Look what we could have done. But you think about all of those souls that have been saved as a result of your giving to missions. I tell people from time to time to be real careful about calculating that commitment about what you put on that card uh, because uh, what you put on that card may very well make the difference in somebody going to heaven or hell for all of eternity. And I'll tell you, that's a serious thing as far as I'm concerned. If you obey the Lord, then God will multiply that and, and souls will be saved as a result of it somewhere in the world. If you disobey God, then that might mean that the church is not able to take on another missionary or two missionaries or such. And as a result of that, Uh, Maybe there would be many souls that would die and go to hell without the Savior because that missionary that the church could have taken on was not taken on and they were not able to get to the field in time to reach those dying souls. So uh, you reap if you sow and you reap what you sow. And then number three, uh, third law of that principle You always reap more than you sow. Uh, God is no man's debtor. You cannot outgive God. Uh, I'd double dog dare you to try to outgive God. You cannot do it. Uh, God will always uh, give more than you do. You have heard, I'm sure, about the uh, old gentleman in the church who was the best giver in the church. He uh, lived on a fixed income, uh, social security, that was it. And, uh, but every time that the pastor would uh, mention how an offering is needed, he'd be the first to raise his hand to give. And everybody knew uh, that he couldn't uh, afford to do it, but yet he gave it anyway. And a young fellow came to him after a service one morning, and said, uh, Brother, said, uh, I, I, it's very obvious that you um, are the best giver in the church. You're the most consistent one. And said, everybody knows you live on a fixed income. And I just wonder, how are you able to do that? He said, well, Sonny, he said, it's, uh, it's like this. I challenge God to a shoveling contest. And I shovel up to God, and God shovels down to me. 
I shovel back up to God, and God shovels back down to me. I shovel back up to God. God shovels back to me. He said the difference is God uses a bigger shovel than what I do. You can rest assured uh, that uh, if you give, Jesus said, it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You'll never outgive God. So uh, you reap more than you sow. And uh, I, I uh, am not a, uh, a listener of uh, some of these fellows on radio, unless I'm traveling and, I, and I've got a so-called Christian station on and, and uh, they come on. But I was listening to Dr. David Jeremiah speak uh, not long ago from out in California on the radio. And uh, he said this, and this got my attention. He said that, uh, <laughs> that uh, when a, a, a seed of corn, a kernel of corn, is planted into the ground, and uh, it brings forth a, a stalk, and, and that stalk grows and brings forth ears and and uh, and then uh, those ears produce corn. He said, on the average, out of one kernel of corn that's planted in the ground, and that one stalk of corn will produce, on the average, of 3,300 kernels of corn. Now, that is a pretty good yield, isn't it? In other words, uh, God is going to see to it that uh, He gives more than you do. And you cannot outgive Him, so you don't have to be chinchy when you're calculating your commitment. Uh, God wants you to obey Him, whatever God lays on your heart. And He said that you'll reap more than you sow. And then number four, the fourth law in the principle is that you reap in proportion as to how you sow. Now, uh, a fellow that plants a garden in his backyard, uh, maybe plants a row of corn in it, he's not going to reap the same proportion as the farmer that plants 50 acres of corn because you, you, you reap in proportion as to how you sow. You sow sparingly, you reap it. You sow bountifully, uh, you'll reap it. Uh, But here's the thing. Uh, If you will sow what God lays on your heart to sow, God will sow yield to you in proportion as to how that you sow. I heard about this fellow that that, uh, went up to, to a little mountain church to preach, they didn't have a pastor, and he and his wife went up to uh, uh, to preach on a Sunday, and uh, there were not many people there, uh, just a few women and children, and I think there was one man in in the service, and so he preached, and on the way out <laughs> the door, uh, the only man in the service handed him a uh, little envelope and said, uh, "Here, we just want to." Uh, let you know that uh, we appreciate what you've done and coming up here and this will help you uh, pay a little gas money. And so 
he politely thanked him and they got in their car and started back down the mountain and he thought about that offering and he, and he reached in his pocket and pulled it out and said, Honey, uh, look there and see what kind of love offering we got this morning. And she opened up the envelope and pulled out a $10 bill and said, Well, praise the Lord, honey, we got $10, a $10 bill here. He went to ranting and a raving, got so mad he liked to run off the mountain and said, $10, is that all we got in that offering? She said, well, honey, you know, there's only a few people there, a few women, a few children, one man. And, and she said, I think that's a pretty good offering. He said, good offering, nothing. He said, I put $10 in that offering plate myself. And she looked over at him with that, that, you know, little smirky smile that only a wife can give to her husband in a time like that. And she said, well, it just stands a good reason. And if you'd have give more, you would have got more. Amen. And sometimes I believe that's the case, you know. God's saying, you give more, you'll get more. You reap in proportion as to how you sow. And then there's the fifth law in the, the sowing principle. And that is, not only you reap if you sow, you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, you reap in proportion as to how you sow. But number five, you reap after you sow. Uh, you don't go out in the morning, plant your crop, and expect to harvest it that afternoon. It just doesn't work that way. It takes a long time for that seed to germinate. It's got to die. And then uh, the Lord of the harvest brings forth the life. And it takes months sometimes uh, to grow a crop. And so uh, you may not have been uh, reaping a lot lately, but have you sown much? And it takes a little while, maybe. And sometimes you may not see the results of it, as we said earlier, until you get to the judgment seat of Christ. But just keep on sowing, because you know that one day down the road, you're going to reap. Just exactly what God wants you to. So recognize the sowing principle. I've just got to mention this and go on. Number two, remember the sower's purpose in. Now, based on verse number six, that you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. I make the commitment, I know God's going to provide for me when I sow, He's going to make sure that I reap. So, uh, verse number 7, I make my commitment. I purpose in my heart that I'm going to give and trust God to provide through me so that I can continue to give. Now, that's very interesting, that, uh, uh, that word uh, purpose. Purpose in his heart, so let him give. That's the same thought that's used in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, and verse 8. It says that where Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself uh, with the portion of the king's meat and so forth. Now, Daniel, little Hebrew boy, best we could, could figure, he was 17 years of age, when he was deported by King Nebuchadnezzar, a ruthless Babylonian king, 
from Jerusalem, his hometown, uh, some 800 miles away. And by the way, that's like being on the other side of the world in those days. Uh, deported to Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar took the cream of the crop in that first deportation in 606 B.C. and took Daniel, the Hebrew boys, and, and there were others, the cream of the crop, and he wanted to, to use, train these boys and use them in his palace. And so part of the process of training was that they would eat meat and drink wine that had been offered to idols. Now, a Jewish boy couldn't do that because God had forbidden that. And so Daniel, a 17-year-old teenager, 800 miles from home, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And he made a decision from which he refused to retreat. By the way, uh, that's a good decision for all of us to make early on in our Christian life. We make a decision that we're going to walk with God. And when we make that decision over here, we're going to walk with God. Then as we go through life and, and all of a sudden somebody comes up to us, hey, let's go have a beer together. You don't have to stop and say, Lord, you want me to go have a beer with this fella? You know, you made that decision back here. You can't walk with God and drink that rock gut stuff. And so as a result of it, that decision's made. You go through life. Uh, somebody comes along and says, Hey, let's go smoke a joint together. Lord, you want me to go smoke a joint? Oh, no, no, you don't have to pray that. You've already decided that over here. You see, you make that one major decision early on in your life that you're going to walk with God and go with God, and you don't have to make those little decisions as you go through life because that one decision has made it for you. Now, translate that back to our text. Uh, based on verse 6, no God's going to take care of it. So I purpose in my heart I'm going to do it. And I calculate my commitment. And I say, Lord, here's what you laid on my heart. I'm going to put this down on the card and I'm going to go with God all the way through. Now, that does not mean a test will not come. You can rest assured of test. Anytime you take a fresh step of faith, you can expect a test to prove whether or not you mean business with God. Uh, not that God doesn't know. He knows whether we mean business with Him. But God will give us a test to see if, uh, to show us whether we really mean business with Him or not. And so you make that commitment to give uh, up your faith promise, then uh, everything may go well for a while, but then uh, you, you'll have a, a test of your faith somewhere along the way. And, and my advice is to stay with it. Don't give up and don't quit when uh, you can't see yourself through. Just stay with God. I wish I had time to give some illustrations on that. But let me give a third thing. Recognize the soaring principle. Remember the source purpose. And, and then rest in the Savior's promise in verse number 8. And God is able to, well, we, just stop right there. You could put the period after God is able. Not even have to read the rest of the verse. Uh, he didn't say that uh, uh, Delta Airlines is able or uh, <clears throat> Standard Oil Company is able. 
or the United States uh, Treasury is able. He said, God is able. God is able. Now, now watch it. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye have in all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. Uh, simply stated is that when you make that commitment to give to God in missions and you stay with it, that God is going to cause the circumstances to be favorable so that you can give that commitment. That's what he's saying in verse 8, that God is going to see you through it. And then finally, receive the sovereign provision in verse number 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, multiply your seed sown, and then he that ministers seed to the sower. That's God that gives the money to give. He's the one that gives the farmers and the gardeners the seed to, to plant. Uh, and, and he's the one that gives the faith to make that commitment. And, and the one that gives the money uh, to give it. He said to he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food. Somebody said, boy, I'm afraid if I make a missions commitment, a commitment to give to missions that I won't have enough money left over to buy groceries and to pay my bills. Did you see the fallacy of such statement in that verse? He that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. God will make sure that he meets your other needs uh, when, uh, when you do right about mission giving. And look at this, the promise to increase the fruit of your righteousness. In other words, he'll give you more opportunities to serve him as you give that mission offering. The church is able to take on more missionaries and to send more missions around the world. And then you're increasing your righteousness. In other words, you're winning souls that you don't even know anything about. And one day at the judgment seat of Christ, you'll see the results of it. Just a few thoughts about how we can calculate our commitment and get ready to turn it in after the morning service. And I hope that uh, you'll let God speak to your heart and see how that He wants to work in and through us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Father, bless these few simple thoughts now. Bless the service to follow, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Well, amen. Thank you, Brother Alverson. And a very practical, but truth. Amen? Are you with me this morning? You know, I, um, I was thinking as Brother Alverson was finishing up and talking about God's sufficiency, a lot of different times in the prophets, when God was talking to, really speaking to his children, he would say, didn't you know that I'm the one that grows your gardens? Amen. I send the rain for your gardens. Uh, didn't you know that I'm the one that gives you the wood for your houses? And I'm the one that provides your needs? And if we don't watch it, we will become self-sufficient. When we need to be God, uh, let God be our sufficiency. And I'm preaching the Mike Creed here. Sometimes we come to a place where we, we look at it and in human eyes, but I like what those Macedonians did. They, they went beyond what they could do and said this, we want to let God give us the grace to do what we can do. And, and God can do that in our day and hour.
God is still in the business of providing needs, meeting, meeting our needs, uh, working in our lives, and doing things that, uh, that are just beyond, uh, above and beyond what we could say, uh, imagine in our lives. Fellas, why don't you go ahead and come. We're going to have our missions offering. During our missions offering, uh, Brother Andrew is going to share some uh, uh, announcements for the day and uh, for the week. And so uh, if you'll listen to that, it'll be a great help. Let's pray. Lord, use our, our Bible study offering for your honor and glory. Lord, thank you for what we've already heard. And uh, Lord, so little time. We, we're here and, and gone and, and uh, eternities forever. But I pray that you'll hear. I pray that you'll use us in these days and hour. Help us not to say, well, later, or maybe some other day, but may we say this today, to, this is the hour. Use me this hour. Bless this offering. Use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple announcements real quick. Don't forget to uh, bring your missions banks. Of course, we'll have the service this morning, but... Uh, we know there's certainly been some sicknesses, things like that. So even if you have a missions bank from a previous Sunday, don't forget to bring that in and uh, give that either this morning or this evening. Of course, we have our missions banquet tonight, and so we are excited about that. Don't forget to bring the food that you have signed up for. If you have not signed up for food, don't worry, there's still time. And there's a sign-up sheet there in the back as well as aluminum pans that you can bring it in. So please be sure to bring it in warm. And uh, also, if you're bringing in food, we want to start at 5, which means we need you to be here a little bit before that. Because if everyone shows up at 5 with their food, it's going to be another 15, 20 minutes before we get everything uh, situated and placed in the right area. So uh, be sure to show up a little bit early and uh, just be ready to come and enjoy some fellowship. Be here about 10, 15 minutes early uh, or even before that with the food to where we can make sure everything's set up. But remember, that's at 5 o'clock. Uh, this evening not normally uh, it's not our normal six o'clock time of course there's no choir practice today our annual business meeting is this uh, coming Wednesday and so please be sure to be here for our annual business meeting that will follow the evening uh, service and then February the 11th is our gospel outreach Sunday and so that's a couple of weeks from now so be sure uh, to put that on your calendars of course we'll be starting that at uh, Four o'clock now, is that right? Yes, four o'clock. And uh, four o'clock because of daylight savings time. So please be sure to be aware of that. There is a teen activity coming up on February 16th and 17th. And uh, teen lock-in, if you have questions about that, please see Brother Cisco. Pastor? Well, amen. We're going to take some time right now. It's about uh, uh, 1029. We'll start right at 1040 uh, for the service. So let's get things together. Some teachers... I need to make sure they get their, uh, uh, make sure they know who's come in for their class and uh, get that handled in the back. Thank you. God bless you. And let's get ready for the morning service uh, choir and everybody. Appreciate it.